I'm Carrie Brett, and this is Shot at Love. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. When the bottom falls out, you have a choice. You can either cry about it or laugh your way through it. Picking up the pieces is never easy, but it has to happen. There's a lot of power in laughter, and no one's mastered laughing more than Boston's comedian and movie star, Lenny Clark. Lenny went from having everything to having nothing, not once, but many times. He survived heart attacks, a massive stroke, overcame addiction, and even lost 200 pounds. Lenny lived through heartbreaks, divorced, and then found love with his wife, Jennifer, who stood by his side as he climbed back to the top. Lenny understands that you can be famous and funny, but it doesn't mean one thing if you can't be a good friend and help others during challenging times. When we come back, Lenny will share his survival tips and how to laugh your way through these valuable life lessons. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Nationally renowned comedian Lenny Clark is one of the biggest names in comedy. He's known for inventing Boston comedy as he came up in the 1980s. The heyday of Boston comedy with fellow funnymen Stephen Wright, Martin Olson, and Dennis Leary. He was roommates with Olson, and their apartment was known by comedians as the Barracks, a notorious crash pad for visiting comics and the subject of the documentary When Stand Up Stood Out. Lenny's comedic abilities captured the attention of Rodney Dangerfield, who gave him his first big break on the HBO special, Nothing Goes Right. Lenny has been on stages making people laugh for over 45 years. He's appeared in television shows such as his own network sitcom, Lenny, The Job, The John Larroquette Show, It's All Relative, The Winner, Touched by an Angel, Love Boat, The Next Wave. He played the role of Uncle Teddy on Rescue Me and appeared in featured films such as Me, Myself, and Irene, Rounders, There's Something About Mary, Two If I See, and Southie, to name a few. We're going to laugh until we cry in this special episode while forgetting our troubles. Lenny will share his uplifting story that will inspire and entertain because his journey is one wild ride. Crazy Train is the term late-night host Jimmy Fallon used to describe Lenny when they worked together on the movie Fever Pitch. I couldn't be happier that this crazy train chose to stop at the Shot at Love station today. So without further ado, welcome Lenny Clark! Oh my God, are you kidding me? That's not... I... I would like to see me. I would, after all that, you know, and after all those beautiful things you said about me and stuff I've done, I just want to let you know that after this, I'm going to Florida and I'm going to get into elderly porn. <laughs> yeah, I'm very big at the villages. They love me down there. Oh my God. What? You know, you started naming movies that I, I forgot I even did, you know, because I, I, I've done a ton of movies and we, it, it, when I was a kid, I used to go to the movies and go, oh, my God, just to watch it. And I never even dreamed of being in one. And then I said, wow, maybe I could be in a movie someday. And now I'm, <laughs> I've been in ones I forget entirely. Amazing. Well, I never thought I would promote elderly porn on my show, <laughs> but... Hey, Today's the day. There's there, a first for everything. A but why wouldn't why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah. you look absolutely amazing. I would swipe right on you every oh, time, God, Lenny. I love you. Thank you. Same for you and handsome Tom. <laughs> 
So you're in the best shape of your life. You're like a walking billboard for inspiration around transformational weight loss. You're a Weight Watchers legend, and you've lost 200 pounds. What would your advice be for someone who wants to lose weight and make a positive change in their life? Recently, the, the thing I find working the best for me is that intermittent fasting. Like you eat... And then you don't eat for 16 hours, but you, you can eat, uh, well, how many hours is that when you break it up in a day? Eight? I don't know. You can eat whatever you want during that period, but okay. then don't eat the other times. And I find that the quickest, because I had to get some pants for this movie I, I just shot, and uh, I needed to lose weight really fast. You know, so I did the intermittent fasting, and it got down. It was good. You know? Oh, that's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So I'd recommend that, but also... People ask me about losing weight all the time, and I tell them, you all know what to do. It's 80% what you eat, 20% what you do. You can work out till the cows come home. But if you eat those cows when they come home, you're going to be a big fat bastard. So you've got to concentrate on what you eat. And then uh, with the intermittent fasting, it helps a lot too. Oh, that's good. That's a great tip. How are you feeling? I mean, you've had so much. I have... uh, I'm going today uh, to the Mass General for an ultrasound, and I'm getting a tattoo, Mass General or Cemetery. Uh, The Mass General has kept me alive for many, many years, for many, many reasons. But yeah, uh, quick synopsis. So five weeks ago, I was in Aruba, and I was performing down there, and I was roller skating because, you know, I was riding the bike, and I said, let me try the roller skates because I found these roller skates in one of my lockers my storage lockers in la i cleaned out and they were like 500 bucks i bought them when money was no object you know? so i tried them and i fell and i hurt my back i got a compression fracture in my back which has to heal by itself i think you know about, know this, stuff. about this and then um they found out that i had gallstones and kidney stones at the same time so now uh aside from that i went to uh, vale colorado to ski in a cystic fibrosis uh, ski tournament and I had a heart attack. And they jump-started me with the paddles. Clear! Boom! And they did it without medication. It was the first... I've done it, like, over 80 times. I hold the record at the Mass General Hospital for being cardioverted. But this time, they did it without, you know, without any sedation. And I thought I was going to hit the roof of the ambulance. And we did it in valet parking at the Beaver Creek Hyatt. Yeah. So, boom! I went, ah! So then I conned my way out of the hospital because I was staying at a $1,200 a night suite, you know. And I said, I'm not going to give up the suite for this this hospital room. So uh, I skied and I came, I got the bronze medal. Can you believe that? Who knows how good I would have been if I didn't have the heart attack. Wow. Yeah, nutty, right? It's crazy. crazy. Yeah. It just makes me think of that story about you freebasing in Southie with Sam Kinison and you start to pass out and... And, and the last thing I said, what are we going to do with the body? That was, yeah, I can't believe you brought that story up. I, cause I told you that years <laughs> and, and I, of course, I, but I, I, I said to you, cause I couldn't believe I said that. I said, and the last thing I heard was, what are we going to do with the body? I went, oh my God. And I came to her and said, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you learned you could restart your Yeah, restart out. your heart. Yeah, yeah, just boom. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. Oh uh, so, God. so now, and then tomorrow, about this, Carrie, tomorrow I go for my stress test. <laughs> 7 a.m. and then I gotta have an MRI and then I'm having another ablation done which oh. is when they go in through your groin and they you know they gotta do all these things they burn the flap of your heart and they did it to me 14 years ago and everything worked out but lately you know I've been, I've been screwing up a little so this is a lot to unpack 
here with yeah, you. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, that, that was for, for the opening salvo. That's pretty <laughs> wild. Yeah. This That's is a, already yeah, like peaks yeah, yeah, and valleys. Yeah. But you say that most people treat their body like a temple, and you said you treated your body <laughs> like, like an amusement, amusement park. park. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I did. I said that about. 35 years ago, and I forgot about it, and someone mentioned it. I said, oh, my God, that's right. You know, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. It's a good one. But in all seriousness, you had a massive stroke. Oh, God. Two during, that was, during COVID. That's a great story. Uh, I was on the vineyard, and because uh, I live in Martha's Vineyard. You know, I mean, I married wealthy again, and I have a five-and-a-half-acre estate overlooking the ocean, and it's fabulous. So I woke up one morning, and my hand was asleep. And I said, come on, you got to wake up, let's go. I had a cup of coffee, it was still asleep. And I called a friend, I said, am I making any sense? They said, Lenny, even less than normal. So I knew <laughs> something was wrong. So I took a couple of aspirin, I'll tell you the name of them once I signed a contract. And I popped them, and I drove myself to the hospital. And people said, why? I said, because well, I live... Uh, up on a bluff overlooking the ocean, a mile off a dirt road, off another dirt road. And if I had 911 come in and they didn't find me, I'd be dead. So I put on some shorts and a shirt. And I drove to the hospital as fast as I could because I know all the cops on the vineyard. And I figured if they pulled me over, you know, I'd be all right because I couldn't talk. I was like Kirk Douglas at the end. You know, it's okay because he's dead and he was a friend. So anyway, I drove like a madman and I got to the hospital and I, I pulled over. I went in. They go, Lenny, Lenny, how you doing? And so they put me in a wheelchair. They wheeled me in and said, you're having a massive stroke. And they shot me in the ass with something. I don't know what the drug is called, but I regained my speech. And then they said, Lenny, uh, you're having a massive stroke. I said, well, that's not good, right? And they said, no. And I said, well, what should I do, go home and rest? They said, no, we have you on an outbound helicopter that's due here in 15 minutes. We're flying you to the Mass General. And I said, oh, man. So they said, uh, have you ever been in a helicopter before? Yeah, I've done USO tours. I've been in lots of helicopters. So a few minutes later, this guy walks in his name Vahe and he's a little bit of a guy. And he goes, we have a white male, 67 years old, palpitations, very sweaty. Uh, trouble with speech, uh, heart rate through the roof. You know, I'm paraphrasing, of course. And I'm going, this guy's good. And I go, shit, he's talking about me. And then the next thing, in walks this six foot three Amazon brunette named Heidi. Oh my God. And even though I'm dying, I just wanted to climb to the top and yodel. So she said, Mr. Clark, are you, you going to be all right in the helicopter? And I go, yeah, Heidi, I'll be fine. And as they're wheeling me through the hospital, people are going, Lenny, Lenny, how you doing? I go, I'm not too good. I'm strapped to a gurney. Can I have an autograph? I go, I'm tired. And they take a selfie. So the people are taking and selfies and we get out to the helicopter and I said my god when I was a fat guy I couldn't get on that helicopter it was tiny it was you know with all sorts of equipment and stuff so uh they wheel me in and Heidi straps me and says no you've done this before and I said well I've, I've been in lots of helicopters but I've never been in one where I was strapped down and I've never been strapped down without a safe word so now the the the, the flight up was not too bad but when we got to the mass general the wind's coming off the river. The helicopter was spinning like, like a bad, you know, rock movie. And, and I said, just turn the key. Let it drop. Let it drop. Because we're only five feet off the deck. I think that's what he did. But boom. We hit the deck. And the guy takes his mask off. Letty, it's me, Dave. Remember, I used to fly for Ernie Buck. And I'm going, it never ends. Take a selfie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no one likes to be strapped into a gurney. And, no. And you have a safe word. What is it? Uh, Matt Damon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you're not going to make a mistake. You know? They'll know you're from Boston. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is the best. Uh, I can't even imagine. Oh, God. Well, the, fortunately, the Mass General uh, did an amazing job and saved my life again. 
And, uh, you know, they saved my life like three or four times. And the big thing was, you know, I, I helped raise millions of dollars, from, especially for the Mass General Children's Hospital. I think you've, act, you've actually taken pictures at one of their events. I know your dad has in the past. And, uh, you know, I, I do it for all the right reasons. You know, like these young kids coming up say, hey, man, you're always on TV and you're always on the news and in the newspapers. You know, how, how do you do that? I said, well, you should do charity work. And they say, well, how much does that pay? And I go, it's charity work, you idiot. <laughs> I go, and, and, and it's, it's come back to me a thousand times over because mm -hmm. I do it for the right... My mom and dad used to really be proud of me when I would do stuff like that and raise money, for, especially for kids' hospitals and stuff. And, um, the, you know, they, they, they kept me alive. And, I mean, I, I, I should be dead. I really should, you know... <laughs> Well, I'm so glad you're here, and I definitely think you have to donate your body to science because yes, you oh, are oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. unbelievable. But yeah. this charity work and giving back, and you joke that they keep you alive, but I've known you a long time, Lenny, <laughs> and the charity work is everything that you are. And most people who listen to my show are having a tough go of it and they're struggling and I know that if you're struggling the quickest way to get out of pain is to help someone else you, you know what you are exactly right and let, let's talk about shot at love right now <clears throat> one of the worst things that can happen to you is when you are in love with someone and it goes south it falls apart and whether it be you the one that's leaving or, or, or them leaving you it's it's always really emotional except for my first marriage that was all financial but uh uh and that oh that hurt so bad didn't hurt as bad mostly but boom financially the daddy's still sore um the, but realistically when you when you're heartbroken uh even when you surround yourself with your family or your closest friends it, it's it's just not enough. I mean, you do everything. Like, go to a movie. You go to a movie. Try to go to a movie because you figure, I'll be in a movie for two hours. It'll take my mind up. And you'll see something in the movie that will set you off. And you go, oh, God. And, and, and the pain that, that, you, that you experience is, it's, I think it's worse than physical pain. It is. Because you can't, you can't fix it. You can't medicate it. You can't do anything. And I know a lot of us try to self-medicate for the emotional pain, but that's just, that's just the road to hell. I mean, it, it gets worse and worse and worse. Mm. You, it's like you said, you have to, you have to put on your big boy, a big girl pants and, and stand up and say, Hey, look, I'm not going to let this get the better of me. Yeah. And you just you trudge, you trudge, you trudge, you trudge one foot in front of the other. And, and believe me, if, if you're, if you're listening right now and you're in pain and you're in agony, it's going to get better. I know it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it, but it will. It will get better. And a day at a time, a step at a time, you're going to come through this, and you're going to be stronger than ever. You just can't quit. You can't give up. Mm. you gotta, you got to keep moving on, and you are a wonderful person. It's just, it, it, it's just the, the roll of the dice or the deck of the cards, you, the, the hand you're you dealt... It, it's going to get better. You just got to keep on believing and believe in yourself because you, you are the one that is the most important person. You, 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 you. And if, and if you don't feel that way now, just try helping someone else and see wh how much it means to them that you help them. It'll get your mind off your own self because you're going to be fine. You really will make it through. Just don't quit. Right. 
you know, you talk about this, no one can see the pain that you're in because you can't fix it. Like having a heart attack or all these different things that you're doing at the hospital to maintain your health. And they say that heartbreak is like having broken ribs. You just have to let it heal and you can't see it from the outside of your body. And this pain and suffering really can take anyone down. And I know I heard a story where you were sober for a year and you've been sober for 25 years plus. And that's someone who shows up every day and does the work. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. I had a lot of help. I, yeah. I you know, I, I asked for help. Uh, you know, people, people used to think that if you were asking for help, you were weak or there was a stigma to that. That no longer exists. I mean, I know that right now the world is in a very, very strange place. Listen, ask for help because it, nowadays people, there are places to get help and there are people who are just dying to help you. And it, it, there is no stigma anymore. Save yourself. Right. You can't do anything for anyone else until we get you fixed. And 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 it's not uh, the pain that you're going through. You shouldn't have to go through alone. And 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 others will help you. I mean, when I when I asked to get sober, I had I was surrounded by people, and I couldn't believe that you know I, that. They would help me through what I was going through, and I thought I was the biggest loser. And I, why can't I? Why can't I make it through the day without a drink? Why can't I make it through the night without drugs? And people were kind enough to show me a way, an easier, softer kind of way. Mm. And it's it's also out there for your emotions, you know. I mean, look, I'm I'm the sickest human being in the world, but I care, and and I care about people that that are hurting, and and. You know, you don't have to hurt anymore. Share it with, share it with the right people. Don't share it with the wrong people. Oh my God! Right. But there, there are so many different ways that you can, you can help yourself, and and there is no stigma anymore. I love that. It's so true because we've all been taken to our knees here. Oh God! And we're all doing the best that we can. But where are the people that care? You know, and it's like I like to highlight the people that do. And strangers came out of the woodwork to help you. But God was listening, and I really believe because you turned it over to him. Yes, I did. And I think because you have such a great heart and a big heart, you internalized when someone left you. Oh, it must be something. Oh, it must have been the joke, or it must have been something I did or said. They just weren't special enough to have you. Yeah, well, what a beautiful thing to say. But uh, when you mentioned God... Uh, Everyone knows how, how crazy I am and how crazy I have been between booze and drugs and the, the sex and everything else. But I, I, I've been fortunate enough to, 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 to have God in my life and, I have, and, and I've surrendered. I say, please help me. You know, I mean, how many times you would say, oh, if I, if I just don't have the heart attack tonight, I'll never do coke again, you know? And, and then the next day, well, you know, that was just a fluke. No, no, no. I, I was a broken, humbled man. And I am just so thankful to be alive today. And if I can do anything to help someone else, then my day is successful. You know, I mean, I, I, that's how I look at what my life is. If I can help raise money for a charity that, that's, that's helping other people, or if I can help some individual, if I can say a kind word to someone who's having the worst day, there's people out there that, 
that could be on the verge of taking their own life. I see it. And just a hug or, or, or a smile or, or a nice word. Or a text. Can, or a text. You're yeah, right. It doesn't have to be anything yeah. big. And I'll tell you, I was better than I went into preterm labor at 24 and a half weeks with my only child. And I was, I laid on my left side looking out a window for five months. And my producer, Tom, would come. My, my mom used to joke that she would pay him 20 bucks to sit at the <laughs> end of the bed and tell me some jokes. But it was a very isolating time, and I was very fearful. And I would get mass cards from you in the mail <laughs> with prayers. Wow. And, you, and you probably don't even remember doing that. Well, you, you know, I have a, a thing with St. Jude. Uh, who I, I, I always carry a St. Jude card in my my pocket and uh i mean for those people out there who, who don't know me it's probably best because the people who don't know me would think I'm, I'm corny or something but uh i remember danny thomas was struggling in his career this is a story about danny thomas and he he said god please help me help me w with show business and he goes and if you do i'll donate 10 percent of everything i own and i'll build you a hospital and he built the saint jude hospital which i've been to a few times you know, to to help out and raise money and stuff. And I later in life made the same deal. And right now, I think I'm into them for like 13 million. I, <laughs> that I owe them. <laughs> but no, I, but I, I, I kid around, but I, I, I you know, I, I try to send people cards and I try to let people know that, that, that I do care. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm not as eloquent when it comes to being serious, but people can tell uh, by looking in my eyes that, that, that I, I want them, I want them to know they're not alone and that, that, that I'm there for you. And, and uh, you know, it's true, you know. but that humor is survival. Survival. Isn't that, 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 that's a, that's a key word. You know, I, I see people that have, have suffered so much and they go, well, what do I have to look forward to? And I said, your entire rest of your life, mm -hmm. you survived. I know you've been dealt a bad hand. I know that the things that have happened in your life, I wouldn't wish on people I don't even care about, but you've made it. You've made it to where you are. Mm -hmm. And just keep one foot in front of the other. And it's surviving. It's You know, people say, oh, you know, life is, life is very, very tough. Just when you think you've got it figured out or just when you think you're at the top, wham, yep. something happens, yep. you know? And my mother used to always say, when one door closes, another one opens. And I would say, wow, you know, that, what, what a great great thing to think unfortunately sometimes you open that door there's a lion behind there's hope you know as long as you have hope yeah you're, you're okay don't give up don't give up how great would it be to find the love of your life the man of your dreams do you believe online dating would work if you had the right tools to be successful well, I have exciting news. I've created your best shot at love masterclass. I cannot wait to share with you what's worked for me in my life and for many of my clients that have helped over the years. If you enroll in this class, you have a winning mindset and believe in getting help before you start something new. If you're ready to see changes in your dating life and want to take action, check out my free webinar at shotatlove.co. If you decide you're going to choose another path, 
enough, that you're worth it, and you're willing to enroll in the masterclass, you can also register at shotatlove.co. I designed this masterclass specifically for you to be successful. Please know that everything you're going to learn in these nine modules and six coaching calls has been carefully curated for you so you can gain the success you truly want. I will be there for you the whole time. In the meantime, I wish you all the success and I can't wait to hear about your story of finding love. I'm Carrie Brett and I will be your mentor and friend through this incredible journey. true the hope piece is so many people have lost hope right now mm. and I always say in a way I do this show for myself because mm. if everyone thinks from the outside that everyone has like a perfect life and has never gone through things mm -hmm. but everybody goes through hard things you know someone once said if you were in a room full of people say 15 16 people and you all put all your problems and troubles into a bag threw the bag into the middle of the floor and you took a bag, chances are you wish you would put the, your bag I when agree. you pulled that out. Because there were, it's like you say, you don't know what someone's going through. And, and you see those little things like uh, be kind to someone because someone could be near the end. You know, it could be near the end for them. And I said, what a beautiful thing to, to think, you know, because if you could say something to someone to change their whole life, you know, just by hi or being you know being kind to someone you know right. what I mean? like i do a joke in my act I, sometimes i see people coming down the street that don't look like they're doing so good and i try to cheer them up i go hello and, and they'll ignore you and i said have you done that and they go yeah and what do you say well i'll never do that again i'll never say i had a total stranger not me i'll follow them for blocks hey hey you son of a bitch i'm talking to you i'm trying to be nice i'll follow you home i'll kill your whole family i want to be your friend you know what I mean? I'm, I'm such a sick individual but but sometimes sometimes you know i've had people come up to me and say you know about 10 years ago i was having one of the worst days of my life and you walked up to me and you said, hey, how's it going? And I told you, not too good. And I go, well, it's okay. I said, because I can guarantee this, it's going to get better. It will get better. There's, you're going through bad times, you know. And, and we all go through bad times. And, and what you said, survival. We've got to hang in to get there. Don't, you know, don't quit five minutes before the miracle, you know. Right. And I'm a big one for those bumper stickers like, you know, live and let live and easy does it, all that stuff. But... I believe in it, you know. Yeah. I mean, sometimes simple is the easiest way. I agree. You know, I, agree. I mean, you don't make it more difficult than it has to be. Yeah. You know, and and little victories, little victories. You know. Yeah. You know, some people would say like, you know, uh, they were sober. 30, 40 years, and they, a broken shoelace made them go up. And that happens. Yeah. That happens. You just easy does it. You just you know try. Yeah. Try. You'll be, get there. Be here's the here's the one. I really like, be good to yourself. Just be good to yourself. Don't beat yourself up. No one can beat you up better than you can beat know, yourself up. And you put so much pressure on yourself. Relax. Yeah. Take a breath. Just take a breath. I was thinking about you this morning, and because I've been in the, the celebrity world myself. I and, know you have. And how crazy people get. Yep. and what happens on these sets and the pressures. And I think because you have been so humbled and you've had so many things happen to you, that those types of things you put focus on back in the day, you don't put focus no, on anymore. No, absolutely not. You know, and, you know, 
And back in the day, I was so hungry. I just wanted success so much. I right. wanted, I wanted, wanted and, and the funny thing was, I remember I was talking with Don Gavin one night, and Don Gavin said to me, we were driving down here through Hingham to Citra, where he lived, and he said, Lenny, if you could be uh, rich or famous, what would you be? And I said, oh, famous. And he said, why? I said, well, it would be great. Everyone would know who I was. Everyone would be nice to me. Everyone would he says, but rich, you could have all of that without the fame. You, you, no one would even know. You wouldn't have to have it. And, I went, oh. and six months later, I said, yeah, I think I'd rather be rich. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you, you know, uh, uh, people, someone asked me, Did, have you uh, achieved your, your dreams? You know, have you achieved some of your dreams? And I have in one sense. When I got my first TV show and I was making millions of dollars and I had Lenny lunchboxes and I was billboards all around the country and they were flying me in private jets and I was doing everything and I had all, I married a Playboy model. Yay, I had it all, right? I was going to the Playboy mansion. I, I, there was a, a feeling of emptiness and, and, and then I said, I have to rethink all of my dreams because I've surpassed them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I go, I didn't think that life could be. The, I remember I said to my first wife, I said, um, I said, yeah, and we can put a nice bar in the cellar. And she said, why would you put a bar in the cellar? And I go, that's where everyone has a bar. She goes, in the cellar? <laughs> why wouldn't you have it on the first floor overlooking the canal and the ocean? And I go, well, yeah, that, that, that'd be better. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute. So, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I had no idea because everyone I know has ever had a bar in the basement. That's where, yeah. you know, that's their man cave, the thing, you know. But, oh, my God, yeah, I had so many dreams. Still. But the one dream that I have achieved, and it only came to me a few years ago. When I was a kid, I used to go everywhere with my father because my father worked like five, six jobs, eight kids, we were poor, you know, and he'd work, he'd collect newspapers out of the garbage cans and take a station wagon full of newspapers to the junkyard and he'd get like three or four dollars for a whole station wagon and he'd give the money to my mother. I mean, was, he was the hardest working man I ever know. That's where I get my work ethic from and that's where I always... I'm early. I never, he says, if you're not 15 minutes early, you're 20 minutes late. That's always stuck with me. I've never been late for anything in my life. So, uh, I, whenever we would go, people would go, Hey Lenny, Hey Lenny. And then I say, who's that dad? And he goes, Oh, they're just nice people. And it didn't dawn on me until later in life, like 50 years later, he didn't know who they were. They knew him, oh, wow. you know, because he was such a nice man. He was, he was, you know, and he was a janitor in buildings. He worked at the Herald Travelers, a linotype operator. And he was the best speller in the world because when he set the type for the linotype machine, it would be frontwards, backwards, and upside down. So when the paper came like that, it would be, in, in, it was perfect. And he was so furious at me that I couldn't spell. And he said, why can't you spell? Look it up. And I go, Dad, why do I look it up? You're the best speller in the world. I can just ask you, you, you idiot. So, But the fact that everywhere I go, people... Hey, Lenny, hey, whether they know me or not. And a lot of times I'm with people, and I say, who is that? And I go, someone I, I, I just met, you know, or someone I haven't had the pleasure of spending time with, but evidently they know me, so I feel like I know them. Yeah. And that, that also has a flip side to it because people feel they can heckle me, you know, because they know me so well. They figure, oh, I'm gonna, don't, don't heckle me. Whatever you do, right. do not heckle me because I'm going to end up making you cry. It always happens. <laughs> and, and burn your wanna, house oh, down. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, I don't want to. I don't, <laughs> don't want to burn your house oh, down. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. But, but to, to, to actually have achieved that dream, because I remember I always wanted to be like my dad. I always wanted to be someone that people knew, that people liked. Everyone I knew liked my dad because he, he was always helping people. And he'd always, he'd always give a, uh, like, 
50 cents to a guy on a corner. I would mm. give a buck to a guy with a cup, you know. You know. I mean, I, I remember the first time I threw a buck in, in like a bum. You know, they used to call them bums. You know, now they're homeless. Everyone's got titles these days. But, right? So I threw a buck in a guy's cup. And he said, thanks a lot, asshole. I said, what? There was coffee in his cup. <laughs> <laughs> I screw up no matter what I do. I can't do anything right. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Well, I'm surprised your dad wasn't friends with my dad because they... In the newspaper business. I know. Yeah. It must have been like the Dorchester and you know, yeah. Oh, not, yeah. they weren't near each other. Yeah. Well, you, my dad worked, for, first he worked for the... That Wrecking American, the yeah, Traveler, the yeah, Herald, yeah. you know, and he used to, uh, he, he was, you know, he worked for them for years and years, and he, he went through three nervous breakdowns, eight kids, and I was the pick of the litter, you can imagine that shit show at Christmas, you know, uh, but the guy, he just worked and worked and worked, and, uh, you know, he, he, they put, put us all through school, you know, he used to take the nuns to... Uh, the Haymarket Square on weekends and get them free fruit and stuff, oh. free fruit and vegetables. And they'd say, Mr. Clark, if your father wasn't such a nice man, you, we would throw you out of the school. I'd go, oh, don't tell my dad, don't tell my dad. <laughs> wow. Well, now I want to talk about this, how you were in Hollywood and yeah. they give you your own show. And at one point it was more popular than Seinfeld. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, without it. People don't even realize that. We were up against Unsolved Mysteries and uh, the one thing is, I said, find out who kills Fred Savage on the Unsolved Mysteries. You know? uh, but we were doing great. Oh, my God, the ratings were through the roof. You know, we were, And it was a Whit Thomas production. There were people who did Golden Girls, Empty Nest. And I was on the lot with these people. And we were, oh, we were booming. And then the first Gulf War broke out. Yeah. And they said, Lenny will not be seen tonight, so we can bring you the war in the Gulf. And it crushed me. It crushed. They, they took us off. Then they put us back on. Then they took us off for the World Series, and they put us back on. And then they put us uh, on Friday nights, which was the death hole, the black hole yeah. of CBS. And they screwed with the consistency of the show. Oh, yes, they certainly did. And then we we didn't make it through the first year. But the president of the network, Jeff Zagansky, a guy from Wellesley, said his biggest regret after he left CBS was canceling Lenny in my initial year. And I, I, I bumped into him in Vegas uh, about 20 years later, and I said, hey, I said, I read that. I go, it meant the world to me. I go, I'm still really pissed at you, but it was... Go, and he can't sleep yeah, through yeah, the night yeah. still, oh, apparently, God, so... God, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you had what most people want. Like, you're in Hollywood, you've got this hit show, you married a Playboy bunny. Yep. And... Had cars, a mansion, servants... I had I had a gardener that only had to do six six feet of grass, six feet of grass, a little strip of grass in my front yard, and well a little bit in the back too. But that was I had a gardener for that. And then uh, his cousin was the maid, and she would just sit there. Senior Lenny, you want Maria to roll you another fatty? Yes, Maria, roll Senior Lenny another fatty. And I had I had Viking a Viking gas grill. I had a sub zero refrigerator. I had lights like this in my kitchen. 23 of them, and the bulbs were 10 bucks a piece. And this is what I'm doing, $230 in light bulbs from my kitchen alone. This is the stuff I had. I had a square shitter from coal. And they, I even had the president of coal come to my house because he wanted to see the square toilet. No one's ever seen a square toilet in your life. Square, camp. oh, it was just, I had everything. A steam bath, I had French doors over the uh, uh, my master's suite, you know, and the, the, the fog would roll in that night. Oh, I had it all. And I, uh, all right, so 
I was secretly drinking back then because my 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 wife, the uh, the Playboy model, the cocaine dealer at the time, she didn't mind me doing coke, but she didn't want me drinking. You know, so I'd sneak drinks. So I used to go to this place on the way home from work called Shady's Alibi Room. And, uh, yeah, uh, you, and it was Hello. really dark. <laughs> Shady's Alibi Room. Shady's Alibi Room. And uh, the phone would ring. Yeah, okay. And, and close the door. It was really dark in there. Ice cold long neck buds. They were the coldest. They were near freezing. They were perfect. And I used to go in and it was this cute. Uh, bartender and I always used to you know chatter up and, and she never really was interested in me you know what I mean and so and I'd always tip big and uh one night the commercial for my tv show was on the tv she looked and she said oh my god that's you and I said well yes it is and she said I thought you were a cab driver and I said <laughs> and I said why would you think I was a cab driver she goes because you drink like one you come in you throw down three quick buds and then you leave I said oh my god the cab drivers are out driving around whacked out of their mind and that's what she thought I was oh it's so funny oh that's so funny yeah. you had all these things but yeah you somewhere you weren't happy no no I wasn't happy I uh I was morally and spiritually bankrupt. Interesting. I had a $3.2 million house, and I was up on the roof of my house overlooking the ocean in Marina del Rey, and the canals right behind me with the ducks. I used to spend 50 bucks a week feeding the ducks. I mean, you know, I was like Tony Soprano. I mean, it was... And I had uh, I had the Playboy model wife. I had, you know... The, cars experimental cars you know the, 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 I, everything you could imagine and i was uh i wasn't happy yeah you know and uh and there was a hole there was right. a hole i couldn't fill and i, I couldn't understand it you know? you're also not you're in like you're like baby lenny <laughs> like you weren't the evolved enlightened lenny oh god no you oh, know? yeah. Oh, yeah. I was still like in, in, in like a insane Lenny, you know, love me, love me, love me, love me. You know what I mean? And I, I, I just wanted you're in the ego, Lenny. Yes. Yeah. I, was the, I wanted everyone to love me. If someone didn't like me, I would spend more time trying to convince that person they should love me than than, than, than to not than to hate me. I was that's exhausting. So, that's a lot. Oh, Oh, and I would do a show, and there'd be 500 people in the room, and if there's one guy not laughing or one woman not laughing, I go, why aren't there? Lenny, 499 other people are laughing their ass off. Why worry about wasn't them? Enough. Leave it alone. It wasn't enough. Yeah. It was never enough, and the money wasn't enough. You know, I mean, and... Uh, I get it. I mean, I, I don't get it to that extreme, but... No, it's all relative. You get it, and that's what we're trying to talk to people on Shot of Love. It's, it doesn't matter what amount of money is involved. What it, what it matters is how much effort it's in you and how much it affects you. And it's the very same. You know, like you could have everything and still be empty, mm. you know? And no, and, and no matter who you are, if you're empty, it hurts. But I think if you're a madly competitive person... Oh, yeah. Like we both are? Yeah. It's never good. And like, okay, I can do better. I can have the next hit show. I yeah. can have the next hit cover. I can yeah. have this cover to go viral this. i was on the cover of tv guy <laughs> the little one the little one that your grandparents used to collect and keep in the basement for what reason i don't know but i was on the cover me and will smith were on the cover together of tv guy oh god it was yeah i used that as a down payment for my mansion 
I wow. used to cover a TV guy. They said, do you have any collateral? I go, it's my picture on the cover of TV guy. They gave me a house. <laughs> they, gave, they gave me a 3.2 million house. My mortgage was $19,986 a month. And then the show gets canceled. You know how many nickel, you know how many bottles and cans that would take to collect at a nickel a bottle and can to make nineteen thousand eight hundred thirty six dollars eight of oh, I was insane. That's oh, it was crazy. Great. Oh, unbelievable. So now, the marriage. How did how did that happen? Like the chicken and the egg. Like did the show get canceled and then? Oh well, the show gets canceled, and then the the, the, the strife in the marriage picks up a notch because there's no money, mm-hmm. and, and I re- I remember. One day, my wife, the first wife, got a check from, uh, a residual check from the Asian market, foreign, Far East market, $40,000. She spent it in one day shopping for furniture. Yeah, I had nice furniture. Uh, and she was, a, she was a big spender. She loved to spend big. And she came from a wealthy family. And she, uh, she when we got divorced, uh, it was like, at one point, it was $8,000 a week. That's eight times four. That's sixteen thirty-two thousand a month to keep her accustomed to the lifestyle she was used to living in. And I'm going, what? She said, Lenny, I'm only doing this to F you. Right? And I said, if you F'd me like this when we were still together, we'd never get divorced. You know, it was, yeah, it was horrible. So I lost that. And then I had an agent steal $2 million from me. And then losing two million from the television series, uh, that was like a six million dollar hit that I took over the course of twelve weeks, and nobody comes back from that. So yes, I've been humbled, and I'm you know I'm I'm still hungry. I would like another shot at the brass ring, but it's not the be all end all. Mm. You know, what I mean, that, I don't have to. Have, if it comes, that's great. Yeah, you know? and, and it'll and, be a totally different experience. Oh God, yeah. I mean, uh, like, you know, I had I had millions. And if I had, if I had my brother Mike as my manager back then, I'd still have them because he was—he's real good with money. Like he, he's and he's my manager now. He's the brains. I'm the brand. But I mean, I had no idea. I would you would you would pay me, and I'd 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 feel it and wait. Oh, that seems about right. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, because you're a creative. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's yeah, you yeah. have to stay in your lane. Yeah. But yeah you have to have exactly. good people oh, around you're you. So you're so right to say that because, yeah, I do create and and I create. On the fly. Right. I'm not one of those people that writes it down and it's not planned out. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm not like that. I just go and you wind me up and I, boom, I explode. I yeah. Right, yeah. right. Well, Lenny, you've been bringing smiles and laughter to audiences worldwide for almost 50 years. And no one has a bigger smile on their face <laughs> than me to have you here today. Where can people find out more about you, follow you on social media, or maybe you'd like to mention your upcoming movie? Oh, God, yeah. I just finished, um, I just wrapped um, today a movie called The Art Thief, and it uh, has some instances to do with the Stuart Isabella Gardner Museum. I covered uh, it. I yeah, met the guy. I know you did. Yeah. I know you did. That was why. I don't know why I'm not in the movie. I don't know either. Well, and, and this isn't specifically about that robbery, but the robbery is in the movie. So awesome. I play I an art collector, and it's a serious role. And, oh. Yeah, and you don't want to cross me in this role. <laughs> Nothing funny there. Uh, and you dressed yourself. Oh, yes, I did. Because I wore wonderful clothes by Chris Quazzo, a local clothing designer who started with shirts. And I said, I love these shirts. And then by some 
twist of fate and an act of God. He's become one of the most amazing clothing designers, and he designs for the Bruins and the Patriots and and Lenny Clark. Well, I hope you can grab some of these shirts out of your car because I'm going to photograph you real soon. Oh, God. (laughs) But Lenny, I'll tell you, I know you're a famous movie star, and it's funny as hell, but why I love you is because you're the best person with the biggest heart. Oh, my God. I love you. I've known you for years. <laughs> I'm so happy to be in your beautiful place. And I like your buddy, Tom. <laughs> well, thanks again, Lenny, thanks. for being on Shot and Love. Give my love to Mrs. Colombo and your dad. I will. I will. Thanks. And for now, this week, Shot at Love dating tips that are inspired by our guest, Lenny Clark. Number one, be kind and have compassion for others because it will come back to you tenfold. Number two, everyone needs love. Money and fame won't complete you. Real love will. Number three, the longer it takes to show someone the real you, the longer it will take to find real love. Number four, take it from Lenny. When you ask for help, you can turn it all around. There's no stigma in asking for help. I hope you found some of my tips helpful this week. This is what Shot at Love is here for. To help you find love. Keep up the commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this podcast. Shot at Love is now airing on iHeartRadio Live on Power Me Up Radio, Talk 24-7. So tune in to the station with heart on iHeart. Stay safe and stay tuned for more episodes. I'm Carrie Brett, and we'll see you next time. Bye.